It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright. Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it is an absolute pleasure to be with you here today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and this is going to be a fantastic show. I'll be introducing my guests shortly, and I promise this will be a fun and informative hour. It will be terrific. I do want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been thinking about and learning about lately, and I will do this every single week. I am very thankful for opportunities to do the things that I love to do. One of those things is being on other people's radio shows. I recently had a chance to be on a podcast with someone uh, that I connected to very recently, and his show is called Conversations with Passion. When you make an effort to surround yourself with cool and awesome people, the universe will bring those people to you, and when you have a chance to discuss things that excite you, projects you've done, what your mission in life is, and what your long-term aspirations are, this is a huge blessing. Not everyone has a clear handle on those items, but what about you? What excites you? What energizes you? What are you most passionate about in life? And how can you find a way to do those things every day? Your answers to those questions will go a long way toward your fulfillment of your purpose. And if you haven't thought about those things, I encourage you to do so. You will be so glad you did. And with all this in mind, I do want to introduce my guest. In fact, my guest is the host of the show that I just referenced a minute ago, My guest this week is Corey Perrier. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Corey is an award-winning speaker, having presented to upwards of 100,000 while sharing the bill with the likes of Deepak Chopra and General Rick Hillier. He's also won awards as host of the Conversations with Passion radio show, which features such individuals as Jack Canfield, T. Harv Eker, Tony Horton, John Gray, Dr. David Suzuki, and many more. Corey is also the founder and publisher of a premier business publication, a five-time acclaimed and best-selling author, CEO of a thriving seminar company, founder of a media company, and an interviewer who has personally interviewed more than 3,400 of the world's highest achievers. We will discuss that and so much more on today's show. And with all that in mind, uh, I do want to introduce my guest, Corey Perrier, and he's almost on. Oh, there he is. Corey, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Fantastic. I just introduced you. So how are you? (laughs) (laughs) Doing world class. How are you doing today, Brian? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Awesome. So here's the first question that I always ask everyone, Corey. Tell us about your background, your backstory, how you got started, what you overcame along the way. What basically brought you from where you were to where you are now? Well, part of my backstory I always include that I know not everybody does is that I was uh, raised by a single mother and I think that's kind of important because it sort of, I guess, explains a little bit about my approach to life and business. I was sort of guided by her lessons, if you will. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I always look at that as sort of a main central, kind of, you know, I guess part of who I am. So in terms of my backstory, I grew up in a small little province in Canada, smallest province, in fact, and again, raised by a single mother, 
I, you know, she was always somebody that was really high energy, if you will, and talkative and social. And I, I feel that played a big part in, in who I became without me realizing it at the time. And so I sort of naturally gravitated to sales. And I, again, I think what made that possible is because I had a, a social, let's say, example in front of me all the time, somebody who was comfortable talking with other people and opening up to other people. And, and I think that just helped me build relationships. So I essentially went down the path of sales early in my career. And I kind of followed that path for quite a few years until it ultimately landed, uh, landed in me deciding to start my own business and go in business for myself. And, you know, from that point, I guess, Brian, it kind of became a mix of me performing stand-up comedy. Uh, so working on the entertainment side of my life at the same time as I was doing training at colleges for, you know, sales programs and things like that. And that I would say was the big kind of turning point that led me to becoming the person that I am today, you know, on the speaking side, as an author, all those kind of things. So, you know, grew up in a small town, I decided to go into sales, decided to evolve that into running businesses for myself. And, you know, somewhere along the way in the middle, I decided to venture out as a speaker after a lot of those kind of stepping stones were sort of behind me. I, I guess that's sort of my backstory in terms of my career. Yeah. And some people that I talked to on the show knew very early on that they wanted to run their own business and others worked for other people first and learned that they didn't want to work for other people first. Which was it for you? You know what? I, I guess I, I started in business for myself. And so I guess you could say I knew I wanted to be in business for myself because other than that, my previous jobs were like the high school Kentucky Fried Chicken jobs yes. and stuff. But after I ran the first business, then I, I actually made my way to the sales that I mentioned, the sales career. And I did that for the better part of 10 years. Eventually, I started doing other stuff on the side until they took over and became full time again. But I have to say during that sales career, what I liked about it was that I really, at the end of the day, like any sale or like most sales roles, I was kind of my own boss, set my own hours to a large degree. As long as I was putting numbers up on the board, you know, as the terminology went, I yes. kind of got left alone. And so I looked at it like I was kind of running my own business, but, but I had more of the benefits because I was actually getting a paycheck. Uh, you know, I was getting a base salary and then if I sold, I got my commissions. And I did that for, like I say, the better part of 10 years and then went back into business for myself. So what I discovered in that time is I'm probably not extremely employable in a nine to five capacity, but if I'm doing something that where I'm helping and serving others and I'm passionate about it, it doesn't really matter to me probably if I'm an entrepreneur or working for somebody else, as long as I have the freedom to make my own decisions. And as long as I can see that my results that I'm delivering are rewarded. So I don't know if that sort of answers it, but yeah, I kind of, discovered I need to be doing something that gives me freedom. That's fantastic. And I, I find that that's the path that a lot of people do end up taking. One of your businesses that really intrigues me is your local publication. Was it a newspaper? Was it a magazine? Yeah, it was a newspaper. It was for people listening going, you know, just the term newspaper, of course, doesn't sum it up very well, uh, you know, for me to just leave it at that. So I guess the easiest explanation I could give somebody, and I think it helps visualize it really well, is that it would be a similar publication to Success Magazine, except for more localized and uh, obviously quite a bit smaller. <laughs> but, it, yes. but it was that kind of concept. 
interviewing and profiling business leaders, sharing their story, uh, sharing success quotes and ideas and themes and best books to read and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's great. So are you still doing that now? Is that part of your business plan? You know what? It's been on the back burner for about a year and a half now. I, I've never kind of said it's done or gone. I just kind of put it on its own little break. It was going pretty regularly and, and pretty intensely monthly for the better part of six years. So you're talking, you know, I guess I, without doing the math, you know, 70 some, 80 some issues and 20, 20 stories. Well, more than that, usually stories, uh, articles, an issue, probably closer to 30. So, you know, you can start adding the numbers up and seeing over 2,000 articles in X amount of years. So it yeah. was, you know, we put a lot of time and effort into it. And I had the option to back a, a couple of years or a number of years ago to sell it. And, you know, some people would say, why didn't you just do that? Because then you wouldn't have to think it's kind of on a break. It would just be sold and move on. But I never wanted to say, it's, you know, I never wanted to say for sure it's done in the sense that I could decide a month from now I want to run it again. Hmm. So I kind of put it on I, its own break. But, yeah, it's, it's still there. It's still part of my brand. And I may decide four months from now that I want to start doing it as a, a biannual or a, a quarterly. But um, I, don't, I know definitely I don't, wouldn't want to jump back into the monthly again. Now, so what got your attention instead of doing that? I would say the thing that took, I mean, the speaking was ongoing during the whole process, during the whole publication. For lack of a better way of saying it, in some ways, the publication, and this is not a bad or a good thing, but it was definitely a distraction to the speaking business yeah. because, you know, micromanaging it and managing it, um, because of the type of business it is, you know, I don't believe in micromanaging for the sake of micromanaging, but it's a deadline-driven business. And if you don't manage it kind of close up, then all of a sudden you miss deadlines and your brand loses its credibility instantly. So, yes. so that was a challenge and it was kind of distracting from the core business to me, which is my speaking business and career. But then what started sort of taking its place, if you will, was the radio show that we launched a little over three years ago. And I was doing both at the same time, which was really getting consuming because, of course, running the, the, the speaking business, juggling the publication, the uh, business uh, book brand that we had at the time, the radio show. It was a lot to juggle. So the, the, the radio show sort of took over and took the attention away because I found it to be a more organic way for people to hear the wisdom and messages and stories of the people that were interviewing than yeah. doing the interview and then waiting a month or two months or three months to share it in print. Right. And with your radio show, you have an opportunity to interview people that are not just local. 100% true. And, and also to reach more people worldwide, obviously, than a print slash digital publication. Yeah. So did you manage your time doing that by repurposing some of your print content into the radio interviews and interview some of the same people again? How did you, how did you do that? So yes and yes. More so the repurposing. I mean, I didn't definitely didn't do many multiple interviews, but what I did do is I would do, let's say, an, well, more so on the radio show. What I started doing is doing interviews on the radio show, and then I would repurpose that content into the publication. So it'd be like quotes from a person we had on the show. And even though it was a localized publication, right from day one, I would share quotes by Zig Ziglar or Napoleon Hill uh, or Jim Rohn. So people kind of knew it was it was still even though it was localized, it was still delivering world-class and worldwide messages. And so it opened the door, which I started doing in about 2010, to start actually profiling thought leaders 
from across the world. We had Darren Hardy from Success Magazine, Zig Ziglar, who I mentioned. We had some of these people in the publication even before the radio show. So That's I great. guess you could say both of them I was able to repurpose, but more so taking stuff in the radio show and then transcribing it and turning it into the print publication. Yep. That was certainly a time saver. But again, it just did eventually get to the point where doing both just became ultra consuming. Absolutely. And we are coming up against our first break. My very special guest is Corey Perrier, and we will talk about his, uh, his new book coming out very soon right after the break. This is Success Profiles Radio. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Did you know you can quickly grow your business online and offline for free? SmartGuy.com is one of the fastest growing business networks in the world. Managing over 600 city business networks from Los Angeles, California to the country of Bahrain. In just a minute or two, you can add your business and be quickly listed in their global business directory, local business networks, and get a free web page that can actually rank on top of major search engines in as little as one to two weeks. No kidding. Simply go to www.smartguy.com. Fill out your company information and you're set. So add your business for free and find out why everyone loves a smart guy. Smartguy.com. This is the Tokinet Radio Network, broadcasting quality programming to the world. Do you have trouble falling asleep and staying asleep? I know that drugs can be addictive and cause a hangover the next day. That's why you need the Sleep Band. The Sleep Band helps you fall asleep quickly and easily and for a longer period of time. This results in a more restful and peaceful night's sleep, which is something all of us need. With the Sleep Band, you will wake up fresh and alert, ready to begin your day. You can get your Sleep Band and other great healing products by visiting HealingFrequencyProducts.com. Check it out today for a better sleep tomorrow. HealingFrequencyProducts.com. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Corey Perrier, and his new book is called Enlightened, and we will talk about that in just a moment. If you want to find and connect with me, I am on Facebook. I have a business fan page called Success Profiles Radio. Please like the page. You can find me on Twitter at Mr. Brian K. Wright. You can also find me on LinkedIn. You can also download and subscribe to Success Profiles Radio on iTunes for free. Uh, go ahead and do that if you would. That would be really great. Support the show that way. You can even give a great review if you feel compelled to do that. That would be really incredible and awesome. I also do have a book writing coaching program. If you have a book inside you, and I believe everyone does, that you were just dying to write, let me know. I would love to connect with you and talk to you about how that could work. You can email me, brian at briankwright.com. So, Corey, let's talk about your new book. It's called Enlightened. Where did this idea come from? What is your book about? 
You know, I think the best way to kind of describe it, 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 you know, it didn't come from this, Brian, in terms of, you know, I didn't sort of hear this idea and make the connection between the two because it's a pretty big reach. But the book itself is, I kind of been calling it enlightenment for the rest of us. And what I mean by that is I, I feel sometimes people think being enlightened, you know, involves going up to the top of a hill and, and sitting cross-legged and doing yogi, you know, yogi style poses. Um, you know, I practice yoga myself, but I think sometimes people think you have to be like a cer- at a certain sort of level, if you will, to become enlightened or, or to even walk down that path. And so I wanted to show that that didn't have to be the case and that entrepreneurs, business people, they can actually practice some of these things that I guess you will say are associated with becoming enlightened, like taking time for yourself, meditating, uh, sitting in stillness, giving back, you know, even just the power of tithing and, and what that can do for yourself and your business and your happiness level. So I wanted to kind of tie together and show business professionals that this stuff didn't have to be pie in the sky, if you will. And so that was kind of the idea. But when I said, I, you know, it's kind of a reach to compare it. But one of the, to me, the comparisons that I always seem to, whatever reason, draw the comparison to is there's a guy named Diamond Dallas Page who was a wrestler, you know, in the WWE the big wrestling organization and WCW back in the day. And after wrestling, he decided that he wanted to stay flexible and young. So he started doing yoga and he's just not the vision you would have of a yogi back in the day. And he started teaching people like Jake, the snake Roberts, who most people I think recognize that name, uh, a wrestler as well back in the Hulk Hogan days. And so Jake had wrestled a lot of demons and was struggling with his, his body and, and, you know, just, what it had done to him after all those years of, of challenges that he dealt with and struggles he had. So basically Diamond Dallas Page brought these him and other wrestlers into his home, taught them yoga, which they had, some of them had probably never even heard of or definitely hadn't tried. And all of a sudden they were losing weight and become more flexible and beating demons. And so he called it yoga for regular guys. So YRG. So yoga for regular guys. So I kind of looked at this book as almost like enlightenment for regular people, you know, for the everyday person. So that's wow. really, to me, how I kind of describe the book best. But I, I never, never want somebody to think it's not about business growth or about how to grow your brand because I, in the book, I, I strive to tie the two together. That's wonderful. And did it take you long to put this together? Yeah, it's been a, a, a I guess I, I could say it's been a long process. I, I would guess, and this is, I, I should have tracked it I, I probably, but I would guess it's, it's been over 100 hours, I would think. You know, that's strictly a guess, but you ha- when you start thinking about just all the quotes that we brought together for the book, the wisdom, um, reviewing it multiple times, and multiple people involved in editor formatter, if you add it all up, there's definitely been over 100 hours that have probably, I would say, gone into it, if not more. And so, yeah, it's been a sort of big process, like, as you probably know, Brian, many books are. Uh, so, yes. yeah, so it's, it's been a big process, but definitely a rewarding one. Absolutely. So let me ask you this, because you've had several books. How does having a book fit into your overall business plan, Corey? You know what? It's probably at the center of all of it. You know, when people ask me about why a book, I feel it's kind of the game changer. I know you and I have talked about this as well, but I I believe everybody should have a book. And more so than, than, I guess, more so than, let's say, a person who just wants to share their story, I think entrepreneurs and business leaders even sales professionals, having a book will enhance your brand like nothing else, enhance your credibility like nothing else, it'll open doors like nothing else. So I consider it the game changer. And 
you know, I would like to think that everybody's going to have success with their book from a sales perspective. But as you and I both know that as well, uh, a lot of times the, the book sales isn't where the real revenue ends up becoming or where your brand grows from. But I, I feel that having that book is a game changer, especially when you look at, you know, your brand with a book versus somebody who doesn't have a book. So, you know, for me, how it fits into my overall, let's say, brand or strategy is it's kind of at the center of it all. Everything else works out from there as a speaker. I get bookings strictly because of people seeing international best-selling author, uh, whether it's on my bio or on the bottom of my email signature. And when it comes to repurposing content, as you mentioned, that happens as a result of the book. The radio show, I know I get interviews with certain people I wouldn't probably reach without the book. And it just goes on and on. So I, I can't really say enough about the importance of everybody having a book, whether they're even a writer or not. So how it fits into my strategy is making sure that I continue to get my brand out there with the continuous, uh, let's say, sharing of information through whether it's digital books or print books. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about your plan to launch this book because there are many different ways to put a launch campaign together, uh, many different ways to skin the cat, if you will. How do you plan on pursuing the launch of your book? Well, you know, just uh, I guess to, I'll share that, Brian, but and just I think it's also important to mention that I really feel, too, that when people put a book out, you know, we can talk launches in general because I think you can do launches for different products in similar ways. But yes. when it comes to books, one of the things that I think is really important is, well, two things. One is to realize there's different ways you can brand a book and different purposes you can use your book for. And then the second thing is the fact that you need to know your goal with the book. So Robert Kiyosaki uh, who is the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad and that whole kind of brand, I heard him one time during an interview say that his book is essentially a polished and beautiful looking business card rather yes. than, and or brochure, rather than just a book for the sake of having a book. And he went on to sell 20 million copies of that book. So it, it certainly, you know, certainly worked for him quite well, but he recognized that it was a way to establish his brand in a much bigger way. So first of all, I just think it's important for people to realize that having a book, you need to know what your goal is, and you can also have a book released for different purposes. Maybe it's to grow your list. Maybe it's to just raise awareness to who you are and introduce yourself to people. Maybe it is to get your story out. Maybe it's to sell books. You know, There could be all kinds of different reasons. Maybe you want a hard copy book in a store. Maybe you just want a digital book. So I think it's important, first of all, for people to know that because that obviously impacts every aspect of your launch. So then to go full circle to the launch side itself, what I did with this book and the previous book, and it seemed to work quite well, and I used elements of this in my earlier books, is I invited people to share their wisdom in the book. So, of course, with all of our interviews, a lot of the insight and wisdom came directly from interviews we've done. So if we've had an interview with a, a Tom or a Zig Ziglar, the late Zig Ziglar, or a Jack Canfield or Mark Victor Hansen or John Gray, what we would do is then, of course, we have this great wisdom. So we went out to their camps and said, hey, is this something that we can share in the new book? And so the first section of the book is essentially, let's say, just my traditional book that I would normally release. But the second section is the wisdom from these thought leaders. And so how that relates to the launch is, of course, now all of a sudden we have an entire network that we can work together to launch the book for everybody's benefit. So if a person's in the book sharing their wisdom, uh, like you are yourself, Brian, yes. it's obviously not a bad situation to be able to say, hey, 
check out the new book I'm in where I'm contributing with Zig Ziglar and, and uh, David G, James Redfield. And, you know, that, that's good for your brand. That's good for the people in the book, their brand, whether they're just starting out or not. It's good for me. It's good for the readers because they're getting, in the initial launch, they're getting a free 200-some page book. So it's good all the way around. So the launch itself, essentially, we're working with those people that are in the book and their networks, the people that were in our previous books, and then the people that are in my you know, email list and, and social media networks to essentially do, a, I'm going to call it almost like a, um, a joint venture launch. Yes. But not to, in the traditional sense. So we're not doing a, an affiliate marketing where everybody has their own link in that. We're just literally saying, hey, if you want to share it and give away a free book to friends of yours, awesome. If you're in the book and you want to share that and use that for credibility, great. If you want to share it with your network so you give them one more gift, awesome. So we're just trying to make that easy for people to share it, no pressure for them to share it. And the end result, because we already tested this with the last book six months ago, it, it, I mean, the, the numbers are bigger than I planned, and I set the goals pretty lofty. So nice. the launch essentially is just, I guess you could say, almost bringing a community together of people that are associated with the book and making it easy for them to share the message with other people. That's great. That's great. We've got probably two or three minutes for our next break. Uh I did read one of your fairly recent books called Thrive or Thriving. Yeah, absolutely. Thriving. Yeah, tell us about that. So that was the, when I mentioned just uh, that I said the book roughly six months ago that was released. That, that is that book. And so Thriving, and this is something that most people don't know, but Thriving and the new book Enlightened are part of a, a three-part series, almost like a trilogy oh. of, uh, of a professional development book, which I haven't really seen before, so... I'm always about, you know, trying things that may have been done before, but they're sort of new to me. And so this is part of a trilogy. So it started with Thriving, continues with Enlightened, and the third one will be Impact, which will be later this year. So Thriving, a little different than Enlightened, where Enlightened is to try to offer enlightenment for the rest of us and teach us how we can apply that to our life and business. Thriving is a little more direct in terms of talking about how you can grow your business, how you can have an impact how you can use your passion for good, uh, but also how to use the law of action in conjunction with the law of attraction. So it's a lot of, I'm going to say thriving is more strategy and more here's how you can apply business strategy to your life and business, whereas enlightened, enlightened is more the idea of how can you do it in a more organic way. Yeah, and uh, the beginning section you talk about success principles basically, and one of the things that you talked about was the secret and how the law of action is just really not very much a part of that. And we've only got about a minute to the break. But I think when a lot of people think about the law of attraction, believing, receiving, asking, believing, and receiving, uh, the part about going out and doing something doesn't seem to be part of the equation. We've got, we're almost right up for a break. So I guess we can continue this discussion on the other side. But anyway, my very special guest this week is Corey Perrier, and we will talk about his uh, podcast, his show called Conversations with Passion, right after the break, and a bunch of other topics too. This is a fantastic show. Please don't go away. Stay with us. This is Success Profiles Radio. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. 
looking for the perfect destination in Costa Rica, Panama, or Thailand? Concerned about the economy and looking for an escape plan? Then you need to go to escapeartist.com and learn how you can live, work, invest, retire, or do business overseas. Escape Artist has the perfect plan for you. Join our 400,000 readers and get your free subscription to Escape from America magazine. Visit www.escapefromamerica.com and create your escape plan right now. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Corey Perrier. And we will talk about his podcast, Conversations with Passion, in just a minute. But before the break, we were talking about the law of attraction and the thing that is missing, which is basically the law of action. You've been advocating for this for a while. Tell us why. Well, certainly, Brian. I, I, I guess for me what it was is that somebody who watched The Secret, the movie, you know, that kind of introduced the law of attraction on a big scale. I, you know, and I say on a big scale because a lot of times what's sort of, I guess, overlooked is that the law of attraction was really, and I mean, you know, probably even before this, but it was really introduced in a, in a big way in the landmark book, Think and Grow Rich. Yes. And I think a lot of people ignore that it was, not to ignore necessarily, but once The Secret came out, I think people thought it was being introduced for the first time. But Think and Grow Rich really did a great job of, of both talking about action and attraction. So, you know, I always recommend if somebody wants to learn more about how to do, you know, apply both of them together, grab that book. You, you can't go wrong with that book. I mean, it keeps selling million, a million copies a year for a reason. You know, what is it almost, I guess it's going on a hundred years soon, uh, yeah. you know, 85, 90 years later. So, but the secret came out and introduced the law of attraction to everybody, if you will. And I, I you know, I applaud the book and, and Rhonda, the person that put it out and the, and the DVD for doing so. I mean, that's awesome that more people started understanding the power of both law of attraction and energy and all those kind of great things. However, the, I guess where I saw that one thing could have been added to it and it was really an important component is the action side. And really, at the end of the day, you know, I kind of said before that the law of attraction, even if it is working, if you never step in front of it when it's coming toward you, it's really irrelevant if it's working. So you need to take action and and make this stuff happen for you. You can't just expect it to happen to you because you've, you know, you sat up at night and talked about it and, and visualized it and said affirmations. You have to actually take some strategy. And to give you an example, that actually, I think this is the example I used in the Thriving book about this was that I did a talk I, probably about four years ago now with Deepak Chopra. And at the start of that year, I, I, set a, I set a goal. I said I want to speak with one of the following speakers. And like I want to share the bill with. And I think there were five speakers I put on the bill. And anyway, so I, I went down the list. Deepak was at the top of the list. So what I did was I reached out online to see where is Deepak speaking this year. And he doesn't do a lot of talks where there's other speakers in the bill. He does a lot of evenings with, if you will. And so... I knew it wasn't going to be a lot of options, but I happened to see he was doing a talk at a, and it was called the Emergent Learning Conference. And it was late in the game when I discovered this. I mean, they'd already, the, they were at the stage where basically the call for submissions, uh, looking for speakers, it was all pretty close to done. But anyway, I decided to reach out nonetheless and said, you know, hey, I'm here. If you guys are, are still looking for a speaker, if somebody cancels. And to make a long story very short, I ended up getting booked 
for that event. I was lucky enough to be filmed for a television special, which got aired over and over again that month and shared the bill with Deepak and all that stuff happened. And so somebody could say, oh, the law of attraction. He visualized when he wrote down he wanted to share the bill with somebody. But if I never would have got in touch with that organizer who had already pretty much closed the bill and had an abundance of speakers, there's pretty small odds I would have shared the bill with him that year. So the law of attraction on its own would have done very little, even though it may have been working for me and drawing this to me. If I didn't take the first action and I didn't take the steps, nothing would have happened. And I believe that the law of action is that powerful on a regular basis. And I think we over, tend to overlook that. And, you know, if I give an example from a guest you had on your show and we've had on ours, I mean, look at Jack uh, Canfield and Mark Victor Hansen with the Chicken Soup book. I mean, they spent two years before they got in the New York Times bestselling list. And how they did that was they did a rule of five, they called it, where every day they did five things to advance that book. Well, if they just put out a book and said, they'll find us, you know, we put out a book now, we'll, we'll draw who we want to us. Nothing would have happened compared to what did happen with that book because of the fact that every day they did five things to advance the book. So I just think a lot of times we can ignore the law of action to our own peril. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. That's a great discussion. And yeah, Jack Canfield's rule of five certainly was very impactful. That's really fantastic. So let's turn our attention to your show, Conversations with Passion, which I alluded to at the beginning of the show. I got to be a guest on your show fairly recently, and now you're on mine. So I love it when we can do this. Tell us what the show is about and how you got started. Sure. So the show itself, you know, it, it got started mainly because I had been producing this newspaper and, and sharing these stories, and I was starting to get big interviews. And what I was learning in these interviews, I thought, you know what? When you're transcribing it, there's parts that are missing. There's parts that you just don't carry the feel. There's interviews I was doing with people, and I was like, wow. I mean, even just the voice and the tone and the way they inflected wisdom wasn't being captured in print. I mean, there was just no way you could transfer, transfer one over to the other. And so I just realized that if I were going to go to the next level, I had to take a step in, in that direction. And then one interview in particular sort of started the ball rolling in my head. Well, actually, two. So one I did was for the publication, and it's what made me decide to go the radio show direction. And then an early interview on the radio show made me decide to go all in. One, the first one was with a hockey uh, school instructor or, or a founder. Uh, he ha runs a hockey school called Andrews Hockey Growth, and they've trained the likes of Sidney, Cros Sidney Crosby and Brad Richards. And the founder said, you know, Corey, I love all the stuff you're doing, but I wonder, is Corey thinking big enough? And that hmm. sort of just dropped something in my head. Like, you know, and I said, explain what you mean. He said, well, I love the publication. I love, you know, the earth speaking locally, et cetera, et cetera. But how are you bringing your message to the world? And it really just put, I call it a ticking time bomb where I had yes. to make a decision and, and make a move. And then I interviewed Shalene Johnson from Turbo Jam fame. And Shalene said that early in her career, when she was running it uh, at the gyms as a fitness class, her father said, Shalene, I love what you're doing with the program, but how are you going to take that to the world? How are you going to start thinking bigger? And she wow. said at the time, I don't want to think bigger. Dad, I just, I'm happy doing this at the courses and schools and classes. And, and, but it's stead with her, like it's said with me when the guy said it to me. And so the two situations like that really were the catalyst for the show becoming what it became and has become. And in terms of what that has become, it's, it's really a show designed to have just conversations with people that are achieving major things because of their passions and to share their passions with other people in hopes that people listening will either find their passion or find ways to take their things to the next level using their passion. That is fantastic. I love that. That's really great. So let me ask you, how do you meet high-profile people? How do you get guests for your show? 
a question I get asked probably more in relation to the show than any other question. So, you know, there's a whole bunch of answers to that, Brian. I mean, there's, and you know, because you're, you have a show yourself where you're bringing on a lot of major guests. So, you know, there's a lot of different um, ways and avenues that you have to take. It's not just, of course, uh, a one, you know, one answer type situation. But right. what I will say is, first of all, it started with taking action. I made a list of 100 people I wanted to interview. And I asked friends of mine and people, and maybe this served as a motivator on purpose, but I asked them, how many of them do you think I'll reach on the list? And I was getting numbers like three and five, and I think the highest I got was 20. And after a year, and that was the plan with the list, after a year, I reached 93 people that I had on the show. Good. So 93 on the show or in our publication. But we were able to secure interviews with 93 out of 100. And that's great. That was even higher than I guess, by the way. That, that's a pretty big number. Now, all, not all of them are household names, but a lot of them are household names and people that, you know, that don't do a lot of interviews in a year. So it was a pretty significant feat, if you will. Um, so how did I get those people? Early on, it was a lot of take action, sell, and I don't mean sell in a bad way, but show the person you're approaching the benefits, show their team the benefits. Why should they come on your show versus the next one? Uh, a lot of it was we were getting big numbers, you know, so big listenership right away. So that helped. I had the publication, which was a really big benefit. I have to say that was probably one of the biggest reasons that I got some big guests early on is because I had a print publication. And of yes. course, that business print publications are kind of going to the wayside. So to be able to have one, I think that still holds a lot of credibility. Like it's almost like on a tiny scale, um, you know, if you're in Success Magazine, that still holds a lot more value, I think, probably to a lot of people than being on success.com. So I think that helped because I could say, hey, I can bring you on the show. But guess what? While I bring you on the show, I can transcribe that later and then run you a print interview. And if they're, you know, bigger names, we get them on the front cover, too. So, you know, I was so the second part of what I was doing is after taking action, I was kind of demonstrating the benefits and the what's in it for them as to why they should come on my show and why it would be easy for them and why. In a, and I would give them the minimal amount of time, like I would say, you know, half hour, even if we do a half hour, 20 minutes, 20 to 30, that would be enough to make it work. Uh, I just did an interview recently with Guy Kawasaki, uh, who's the uh, author of The Art of the Start, and he's an Apple evangelist. And I think our interview was nine minutes, <laughs> you know, and, and I said, I said, can we do 15? And he, he said, I mean, it's right on the interview. I think it's even aired on. He said, ooh, that's a lot of time. You know, so 15 minutes was a lot of time for him. So you got to adjust. So I, I try to make it easy. I said, you know what? I'd rather have your insight for nine minutes than not at all. And so that was one thing I did in terms of reaching out. I, I kind of made it easy and said, you know, no pressure. And then I told them where we were going to share it. So how are we going to get their message out? I also talked about the impact that we're going to try to help them have by waving the flag of their brand. So it was really a lot of rather than just going and saying, hey, I got a new show. Check it out. You should be honest. It was. Act, take action, explain why the show is a benefit to them, uh, reach out multiple times. You and I have talked about this before. It takes persistence, patience. Yes. So you got to go back. If you don't hear back from them, you may have to go back again a second time. And then after you start getting a resume, if you will, of guests on the show that maybe lend some credibility to your interviews and to the show, then all of a sudden it's a lot easier. And, and even when I use this term, I don't mean leverage in a bad way, but it's easier to leverage, you know, having 10 big guests to getting that next, to say, 11th big guest. Right. That's so fantastic. So out of all the people you've interviewed, do you have any favorites? I wouldn't say I have favorites, but I definitely have standouts, uh, if, if that makes sense. Because once yes. you get up to the high numbers, like into the thousands, 
you start to realize that you've learned stuff from so many people in so many interviews, it's hard to say, okay, that was my favorite. But I've had ones that I, I've done where I took so much from it and they still stick out what I took from it. I've had other ones where I, I had somebody that I was a big fan of right from early in my career. So it was just an honor, if you will, or I was humbled. And, and then, the, then they, of course, rose to the occasion and they, and they delivered at the level you thought they would. So the late Zig Ziglar was one example. Uh, you know, that was somebody that I started my career and it was the first sales training program I ever watched. Yeah. But then, of course, he didn't disappoint, which I don't think anybody would think he would. Uh, right. So that was one. Robin Sharma. I'm a big fan of Robin Sharma, who uh, he's the author of The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. And I think he has 10 other international bestsellers. And Robin's just like one of those wisdom bomb, you know, or knowledge bomb after yes. knowledge bomb type people. And, you know, he was sharing insight like the power of reverse engineering your life you know, visualizing yourself sitting on the porch, rocking the chair and then saying, okay, what do I have to do to be the person who achieved the stuff I have now that I'm sitting on the chair? So the power of visualization, uh, he talked about, you know, the idea that so many people sadly die at 20, but wait until they're 80 to bury their own bodies. Yes. You know, these are the people I feel that are walking around without a purpose. He calls them the walking dead. So he just had knowledge bomb after knowledge bomb. So that stood out. Uh, Shalene Johnson, who I just mentioned, actually Shalene, uh, we had Tony Horton and Sean T., the trifecta of Beachbody, I always say. So the three people that kind of helped build the Beachbody brand to what it is today. Mm-hmm. And Shalene, I've done all three of their workouts. Uh, actually, probably P90X more than the other two. But I did Turbo Jam early on when I started trying exercise at home programs, and I saw amazing results. And to have Shalene come on the show at a time when she was making the transition from you know fitness, let's say, personality to business personality, that was really mm-hmm. cool. And, and again, she, she was so amazing an hour-long interview and it was just knowledge bomb after knowledge bomb so you know off the top of my head those would be some standouts right away that's fantastic and we are coming up against our final break very shortly i cannot believe how quickly this is going we're having fun aren't we oh absolutely 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 so after the break i will ask you about the tedx talk that you did because i think that's a fascinating topic and i'm going to ask you about your stand-up comedy career a little bit too because i did stand-up comedy once and you've done it many, many times. And I'd love to ask you how you think that's helped your career and what you think the secrets to doing that successfully are. We will come right back after our final break. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Do you have trouble falling asleep and staying asleep? I know that drugs can be addictive and cause a hangover the next day. That's why you need the Sleep Band. The Sleep Band helps you fall asleep quickly and easily and for a longer period of time. This results in a more restful and peaceful night's sleep, which is something all of us need. With the Sleep Band, you will wake up fresh and alert, ready to begin your day. You can get your Sleep Band and other great healing products by visiting HealingFrequencyProducts.com. Check it out today for better sleep tomorrow. HealingFrequencyProducts.com. This is the TogiNet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge. It's Virgin Network. NASA Scott 
Kelly recently broke the record for the longest consecutive time spent in space with over 300 days and counting. Astronaut Kelly says he doesn't really experience the molly grubs or depression, but is fully aware of the dangers of being in space. In other words, he understands the gravity of the situation. Speaking of gravity, in space, your arms don't hang by your side like they do here on Earth. So, astronaut Kelly says he tucks them inside his sleeping bag at night so they don't float in front of him. Hey, isn't it always night in space? He also says that he doesn't get the same satisfaction of laying down to sleep like people on Earth. At least there's no chance of Matutalipia. That's getting up on the wrong side of the bed. It's marching Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back for our final segment. My very special guest is uh, Corey Perrier, and this is Success Profiles Radio. And Corey, I want to ask you about something that is a topic that both of us enjoy. I wanted to attempt stand-up comedy for the longest time. It was on my bucket list, and I finally, a few years ago, did it once. I don't know if I'll do it again or not, but at least I can say I did it once. You did it for quite a while back in the day. Was it scary? Did you enjoy it? How do you think that's helped your career? (laughs) Yes, yes, and I'll tell you how it's helped my career. So was it was it scary? Absolutely. You know, I won't sugarcoat it for people and pretend it's not. They say the number one fear in the world about death is public speaking. And what I find funny is stand-up's a lot harder than public speaking. So people would say, well, why is that not the number one fear? And it's because less than 1% will ever try it. Right. So it's, it's so minute, the amount of people that ever try it, they don't even list it on the fears. Uh, so it's, it's yeah, it's pretty tough. What's the... I guess the toughest about stand-up is coming back to the stage after a little bit of a break, even a month break, uh, or coming back with new material. Really tough. So, like, you, you tried it the one time, so that's you tried it the top. That's the toughest time ever because not only are you trying it for the first time ever, but you're all, it's all new material. So, a lot of people don't realize that a, a worked season comic will have some cases four different sets, forty-five minute sets of all work material they've been polishing for twenty years that works almost every time. But as a new comic or trying new material, it's, you know, you could come back, you could actually be 20 years in and try new material and, and just be a wreck inside. I, I watched yeah. Jerry Seinfeld on a DVD called Comedian, where he threw away all his material the year before, started over from scratch, and you could tell he was rattled on stage for the first couple of months of performing this brand new material. So that's wow. somebody at that level. So yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's not easy, not for the faint at heart, but I, I, I really, really, really genuinely loved the feeling of getting there onto the stage and taking somebody out of that negative moment of their day that, you know, they come from the office, they had a horrible day. You share something that sparks something in them, get some laughing, smiling, you know, as they say, laughter is the best medicine. So, you know, I, I, there was something I really liked about that, but I won't pretend it wasn't terrifying. It's, it's not for the faint at heart is the best way no. I can sort of describe and, that. Absolutely. And, and like her or not, Kathy Griffin makes her career out of making fun of celebrities, and it's very reliant on current events. And so she's constantly reworking her set. And boy, I'll tell you what, how much courage does that take to do something like that 
where you have to constantly, because I mean, after a while, the story you were doing, making fun of two months ago, isn't relevant anymore. You have to find something new to do. Whereas some comedians can use the same material year after year after year, and it's still funny. You can go see the same set, you know, 20 times, and you'll still laugh in all the same places. Absolutely. Like, I mean, you know, Seinfeld, who you can probably tell just by the way I shared a couple of things there, I'm a, I'm a fan of his approach to be that clean and yeah. have that delivery. A1, I mean, it's awesome. But at the same time, um, you know, what's the deal with airlines? Yeah. It's definitely a lot easier to, to do 20 years later yeah. than how about those Kardashians? You yeah. know, like it's, one's topical and one's, you know, definitely timeless. Yeah. So, what's that I, about? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's, yeah, what's, that, what's the deal with grapefruits, you know, or whatever, yeah. right? What's right, the exactly. So, exactly. I mean, that's, you know, in fairness, that one's, the timeless one is definitely an easier approach, no question. But yeah. at the same, so you had asked about, you know, what have I, what, how's that contributed to my career? Yes. I mean, in immeasurable ways. So I, I performed about, we figure about 700 plus shows over nine years. And I've been kind of on hiatus the last two and a half, three years. I've maybe performed twice in the last two years. So not obviously very often, but I have to say my speaking career as it is today would, in my opinion, either not exist or definitely not look the way it does today without my time in stand-up comedy. So my true passion and calling, I believe, is out there speaking and sharing a message, you know, on, on the road, lecturer, gypsy, whatever you want to call it, sharing a message and hopefully impacting lives. And that all started with comedy. So that's one way it impacted my life. The second way is that it was, it was, it had areas in it that were related to my passion. So it actually helped me open up to the idea of finding a passion in the first place. So not only did it help me with my passion area, it helped me discover that I could even have a passion and that it was sitting in there dormant. So that was two ways. But then on the communication side, I mean, I believe that there's nobody that studies communication like stand-up comics. I right. go to clubs, you know, a nightclub, I mean, in Canada, say a Yuck Yucks or a Harris, you know, or whatever the club might be, the comedy spot. And you would watch a comic performing five minutes of material with two not one, two video cameras set up, one maybe phone and a video camera tape in that five-minute set, and then they tell you the next week about how they watched that set like 70 times to see where they got a laugh, why they got a laugh, and why they didn't get a laugh. And then they come back to our clinic if we, when I was with the troupe and then say, here's the video. Can you tell me what I did wrong? I mean, who else studies five minutes of communication at that level? Right. My goodness. Absolutely. So you learned a lot. Right. Okay. Absolutely. So let me ask you, uh, what's the scariest thing you've ever done? Whew. You know what a lot of people find really strange that is like a major scary thing to me? Because I think, I don't know what the percentage of people that can uh, swim is, but it, I think it's, a, you know, it's obviously more than 50%, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, we all can, but in terms of how many are comfortable doing it or, or feel they can float. Uh, so I'm one of the people on the other side that can't. And I was born on an island, which makes it so sad. <laughs> Just even say that. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm not terrified of water, but I'm just over my head is not my thing. And I'm one of those people that just doesn't feel they can float, even though I know deep down I can. So the funny part is I jumped out of a plane five years ago, six years ago. So a lot of people would think that would be it. Stand-up comedy, as we just said, for a lot of people, you know, they would try jumping out of a plane or the other one I'm about to share many times over before I ever try and stand up. So you'd think those would be the top on the list. But for me, the one that kind of really had my heart going and had me questioning whether or not I should be doing it was surfing. So I went oh. surfing in a place called Tofino in British Columbia, Canada. Kind of a world 
surfing destination. There's sponsored surfers there and everything. And a buddy of mine uh, invited me to try it. I said no. He t- before I went to visit him, he asked me four or five times. I kept saying no. Then he sent me a picture of his daughter at eight years old doing it. And I said, can I wear water wings? And he said, you can, but you're going to be made fun of by the pro surfers. And, but he talked me into it by sending me the picture of his daughter at eight years old that couldn't swim, wow. that was out surfing. So what happened wow. was I, I jumped on the board, I started surfing, but it was still, I'd say, probably one of the scariest times I ever had because of the fact that you're obviously going underwater. And he would tell me horror stories like the fact that if you, if the thing is tied to your foot, the board, so if it hits you in the head, it could knock you out and under you go. So that was actually a pretty terrifying thing to me. Uh, what was crazier about it, though, than being terrified the first day was when we discovered the pictures didn't take with our camera, so I had to go and do it all again the next day. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Let me ask you this, Corey. If you were starting over today, knowing what you know right now, what would you do differently? I think I would start, you know what? I mean, we used the term, we were talking launch earlier. So joint ventures. And, and when I use the term joint ventures, I just mean communities, partnerships. I would start doing that sooner. So I would find ways to reach out to people sooner, build relationships and find ways that we can help share each other and share and expand each other's messages. I feel that's what I would do earlier outside of, of course, launching a radio show again. But that's something that, you know, I kind of did early on. So I'm going to say definitely I would find a way to build communities with people and make it a win-win to help them share their message and them to share mine. I spent so many years without seeing the value of that. And to be honest, I think a lot of us did until the good old internet and then Facebook came along. So Facebook, I mean, I got on in 2006, I believe it was. And I know a lot of people started at that timeline. So we're really only 10 years in. So it's not like I I was doing anything wrong, but I just feel that's something I would do sooner. Absolutely. What keeps you going when things get difficult? You know what? I think it's that I'm following my passion. I've often said, and I, I actually, I think I say this in the new, the new book, is that passion is what you do and purpose is why you do it. And so for me, I'm, I'm living my passion and I'm doing it on purpose. So I don't know if I could ask for anything more. So when I have a bad day or a rough time, I just remember that so many people never discover their passion in life. And I'm yeah. one of the few who has. Then I guess that if you want a strategy, which I highly recommend people do, that you know when you're having a rough day, Maybe you're out working with clients and let's say you're in sales or you're in business, which means you're in sales anyway, and you're trying to get a new customer and you're knocking on doors, you're calling, you're emailing, whatever that is you're doing, but you're getting no, no, no. What I recommend to people is to take a step or a breath. And if they have written testimonials, go read one where somebody said, you changed my world. You did this for me. You did that for me. Or if they don't have that, think about a time when somebody said, you know what, this one thing you did for me transformed my life or or just made a difference in my day, or just made my bad day go away. I think yeah. if you can think about that time and pause and reflect on that, that's a way to overcome a bad time where you think nothing's going your way because you realize we have ups and downs, but you impacted people's lives, so you know you can do it again. Absolutely. Less than three minutes to the end, Corey. Here's the question I ask everyone at the end. Who inspires and motivates you? Oh, so many people. My, uh, my girlfriend inspires me and motivates me on a regular basis. The challenges that she's gone through and with her head held high and such a great spirit. My mother, same idea. She's battled, uh, you know, so many things. I mean, she's open to me saying this, but, uh, she's bipolar. She's battled addictions and she's still one of the strongest people I know. So those are people in my personal life. 
And then I mentioned thought leaders. Some of the thought leaders we've interviewed really inspired me from early on and still do by how they're impacting millions of lives and helping pick other people up with them rather than trying to step over other people. That is fantastic. So where can we find this book, Enlightened, when it comes out in a couple days? You know what? You can go right now. So listeners can literally go now. This is kind of the inside scoop. Uh, this is early. People can go there now because we already have it set up to thisisthebook.com. So thisisthebook.com. And on the top part of the website, uh, they'll see the sign up and it'll ask for a passcode. And the only thing they need to know is the passcode is best you ever, all spelled out. And then also if they scroll down to the bottom, here's a little bonus. We re-released Thriving, the previous book, for the launch as well. So they can go down to the bottom if they scroll down to the page and type in for the passcode Thrive Now, all one word. And they can get themselves two books, each over 100, I think, in 50 pages each, uh, completely free. That's fantastic. And where can we find you and connect with you? Easiest, probably the hub is thepassioncure.com. I have multiple websites, but that one is the one where you can listen to our show. You can watch my TED Talk. You can uh, get copies of the books. But the biggest part is you can actually find the social media links there. So that way we can connect a lot further and deeper. Uh, you can actually read my blog there. So everything, that's kind of the hub for everything is thepassioncure.com. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Corey, for being a part of Success Profiles Radio today. It was an honor and a privilege to have you here, my friend. It has been my absolute pleasure. And thank you so much, Brian, for making my life easy today. All right. Thank you so much. And this has been Success Profiles Radio. Join us every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, where I interview the most successful and interesting people in the world, learn their journey, how they succeeded, what they overcame, and how we can apply those lessons to our lives. Join us again next Monday when I interview another very interesting guest. And uh, until then, please stay safe, take care of each other, stay warm if you're in a cold weather climate, and have a great week. Take care, everyone. Goodbye. Thank you for being a part of Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to